I'm hitting record. I don't. I don't want anyone to miss this gold. Yeah, you know, yesterday <laughs> you know. a rabbit ran down the road just as we were doing the show. I thought that was quite lovely. This morning, I saw a blue heron on uh, on my dock as the uh, the uh, the morning sun shone through its iridescent beak. Fellows. Yes. May I also share an animal in the city story that you guys have just reminded me? And I tried to take a picture of it, and it ran away. It was a fox, a full-sized fox on the street right next to the studio here. And I was driving home with Stan, and I stopped because at first I thought it looked like a big cat, right? Right. And... uh I think it was eating dog shit, actually. Is what it, was, it, was, it looked like it was nibbling on some shit on the side of the road. And, the, and then it, I, I take a, tried to take a picture. It ran away. And then a, there was a guy walking his dog a couple of houses later. I said, did you see that? He goes, yeah, they're all over the neighborhood. Uh, wow. Yeah. Listen, I have a, a, a couple, a, a mallard duck couple that land in my pool and swim around. I love that. I think it's beautiful. Um. But I'll tell you, rabbits eat stuff, and raccoons, they cause destruction as well. Like, So what, what animals are on your dislike list? You've got, uh, you don't like otters? You don't like... Uh, minks. Minks? You don't like... <laughs> uh, how this, is like a, this is not an endangered list. This is just... <laughs> Fred's uh, dislike Fred list. Animal Beaver, hate list. Beavers, beavers don't... You know, they're not really part of my world. Talk to Darren about beavers. They can be a bit of a pain. Uh, but, you know, Canada geese are at the top of my list. I hate them. And uh, rabbits are shitting all over my place in the winter and eating my plastic patio furniture. That's mm. what they eat that was under my deck. Raccoons shit on my deck, and they'll fucking rip the top off your garbage can if they can get at it. You know, when so, we first yeah, moved... They're, they're a pain in the ass. When we first moved here, I, I don't know... I guess I'd never lived in a city where there were so many raccoons running wild. But I remember, do you remember the first few years here in the city where I'd never been to a place where raccoons would take the top off? Oh, yeah. Garbage cans. But they don't seem to be, for some reason, there's, I don't, I've never seen them around the street here, maybe because it's too busy. Well, it's against the law to kill them. You're obviously you're supposed to grab them and move them, but they always find their way back to where they came from. They have this uncanny, uncanny ability. Yes, they do. But they are pests, so I think people dispose of them and then just put them in garbage bags. Oh, I know somebody that's disposed of one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know one of actually a guy that we know, not a guy that I know better than you two, but he uh, he killed a raccoon that was. With his bare hands. No, no, he got a, a, he got a little rag, BB gun or something and shot it right in the face. Well, I can get it because they, you know, they can cause some king size damage. Like, especially if they try and get into your roof, which they, they'll do. Like, if you have a tree close to your roof, they'll mm-hmm. like rip up your, the edge of your roof and crawl into your attic and stuff. I had a buddy, and I won't name him, that had a problem with raccoons, so he threw, he put some poison out, Mm -hmm. but then the thing went in under his deck to die, and he didn't know, and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, this horrible, horrible smell is in his backyard, so he had to rip up boards on his deck to get at the carcass. Uh, Does Brampton have this? I know we do here in the city, and maybe Dan, I'm sure you've seen it somewhere, but they're the black rat traps. Do you know they're everywhere in Toronto? Yeah. And it's funny. Once you see one of them, you, you see them everywhere. Like, they're all over this neighborhood. They're all over the East End. Do you know what I'm talking about, Dan? The black ones? 
I think so. Once you've seen them, you can't not see them. Exactly. <laughs> you can't not see them. But, but you know what I'm talking about, though? They look like... Yeah. Uh, Little electrical boxes. Yes. Or right? Yeah. <clears throat> but I, well, the reason I bring it up is that uh, we're talking about animals, but also I had no idea that Toronto had like that big a potential rat problem. Um, according to my brother-in-law, who was talking to my sweet wife, uh, that's a bit of a problem in Cambridge, rats. I don't really have a problem. I've never really seen a rat here. But how come no one's talking about it? Because if, if it's in Cambridge, it's everywhere. So mm-hmm. does, is there quietly <laughs> rats taking over, Dan? Is that what's happening? You're, yeah, you're, you're our science fiction. Isn't, isn't that in the Bible somewhere when the rats take over or something? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is in the Bible. It's like one of the plagues okay. or something, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> no, but it, I just I just ask because it, I started seeing it because, I, you know, I spend time in the city and I started seeing them and then you see them everywhere. Well, I, know you, I don't remember growing up. There was not supposed to be rats in Canada and out west they in Alberta. I'm Saskatchewan, maybe in the same thing. There's no rats here, which no, is, you know, I don't know how they regard the border. Well, the I used rats, to see but, some major rats. Um, on Jarvis Street. Sometimes in the morning when I'd come when we were working at Young and Dundas. If sometimes I'd come up Jarvis for whatever reason, if there was construction on Bay Street or I wanted to get a coffee or something. But in particular, Jarvis really used to see. Oh yeah, nibbling at the garbage or scurrying across the thing with long tails, like long, long tails. Well, that really Creepy. described that. What you've just described though is the rat. Uh, you know that's what. And that's what they do. They nibble and they scurry. <laughs> that's yes, what they're that's they're in charge of nibbling. And uh, guys, what are we going to do today? Are we going <clears> to <throat> we going to nibble or are we going to scurry? I think we should do both. <laughs> I got a full day of nibbling. I'll get you scurrying in the afternoon. <laughs> what made me think of this song, though? I have one of my favorite UB40 songs. You know this song, don't you, boys? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know what you're playing. You know it. Yo. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. By the way, just for the record. Because obviously, Dan, you comment on how much Fred and I dwell on negativity when it comes to weather. Yeah. Can we just acknowledge it's a beautiful sunny day here in Ontario? I, I think that's an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we got rats scurrying and nibbling, but uh, we got sunshine. <laughs> so yesterday I rented that wheelbarrow and I moved two yards between 3 o'clock and 6.30 maybe. I, I moved two yards of of black mulch and uh this morning i'm a full pound below my goal <laughs> i was gonna say it, it's funny that you, i knew it was gonna be a noom thing because you're like okay i did the work and now i've lost the weight but, uh, well good for you man i don't i don't know what that even means i moved two yards it sounds like man work it's a big pile of mulch on, yeah. it's on my front lawn i had to move it to the backyard i moved some dirt yesterday when i hit a golf ball made a little dirt oh, I love that. I can't do that. When I hit the ground, everything stops, and the ball... You guys that take a swipe, and then you pull, you shave off the top, and the ball goes up in the air, it looks beautiful. I've never, ever done that. Well, I've never, I've never received two yards of dirt and moved it around my home, so, you know, you've got that going for you. So when you do that, the divot, and it's just like, it's like you're, you've scalped someone. Mm-hmm. Like back in the old days, remember the Indians used to sculpt the cowboys? <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. Because that happened when we were alive. 
<laughs> Don't go downtown today. There's some scalping going on. Well, that was common in the old western. No, like I know Roy Rogers and stuff. Anyway, um, how do what happens there? That it's actually it's not a bad thing, is it? No, you're supposed to. You're supposed to. It's called ball first contact. You hit the ball. It. You know, scientifically, the ball starts to spin and rotate up the face of the club while the club is still going down. So it hits the ball, but it still has downward motion. And that that basically takes some of the dirt after the ball. The problem with you is that your downward motion isn't happening at the right spot. It's not that you're not strong enough. It just happens almost like you do this. You sort of hit the ground first and then the ball, whereas I hit the ball first and then the ground. Yeah, because I use my golf club more like a... <laughs> like a what? <laughs> a shovel. <laughs> In fact, that's how he was distributing his mugs right. yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, but you don't want to take too big a divot. You don't want to make a... No, I know. It's just a, explode I it. just, it's just a beautiful thing when I see that. And then I would be so proud to go and get that little patch and grab it. And put, put it, it back. back and that's right. Down and, oh. Are the uh, are the groundskeepers at, at golf courses like? Is it a war between them and golfers in that? Because obviously, if you're supposed to do that, then well, yeah, you, no, it's not a war because etiquette in the game is uh, a lot of courses. Most courses will supply a a little container that has seed and and dirt in it, and you're supposed to excuse me, you're supposed to fill it in. You're supposed to, if you're at our course, we all have them. Even if you're walking with a cart, you take it with you and you just fill in the, the seed and reseed the divot. Some courses, again, you take the divot and put it back and it will it will take again. It will seed. It will uh, regrow. Anyway. Hmm. So, um, yes. so let's just, for the record, so it's not all negative. Yeah, we are acknowledging today's a beautiful day. Today's Thursday, May the 5th. May the 5th be with you. Well, they're talking mid-20s next week. Yeah. In fact, Elise actually said, I, I, I said to her yesterday, I said, boy, I'm looking at this weather, like mid-20s next week. And she said, oh, hopefully the kids will be in the pool. And I'm thinking, wouldn't that be something? Mm-hmm. To go from our negativity and our pissed off at the weather to almost instantly in a swimming pool? like And next Wednesday, 21, and next Thursday, 23 degrees. Oh. Like, well, next Wednesday, uh, Environment Canada says 25. Anthony Farnell over at Global said that uh, sometime in the next week we could see 30 in Ontario. <laughs> that's so, that's so Ontario to- of us. Isn't that the guy you want to kill so you can have his job, Dad? (laughs) (laughs) One of them, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's funny. One of the many weathermen that Dan has dolls in his trailer. They're all lined up. Well, I don't know. I guess one thing here on the weather, on uh, CTV Toronto News, the new weather woman they have. She's good. Like, she's not as frenetic and fucking crazy as that Tom Brown guy was, but she's really good, and she's not hard to look at. Can I say that? She wears a dress nicely. She wears it well. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what I was going to say is that your forecast that are, that I'm looking at the Toronto forecast. When you say 25, are you talking about Peterborough, that area that you live in? Uh, hang on here. It doesn't matter. Okay. I just thought you Yeah, you, you know, it. you're right. Actually, I'm sorry. It's uh, warmer up north. Of course. Oddly. Well, 
Because everybody has campfires, eh? So it's a little bit warmer up north. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the global warming is uh, more <laughs> more severe up <laughs> here. Um, and you got to admire the fact, Dan, that we went through that whole rat issue and never once said anything about you hanging a rat and that that's problem. That's true. See? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. We're learning. We're growing. Restraint, the restraint is uh, you know, on display here on the show. Well, we're doing the best we can. Uh, Dan's uh, going to hang around. Uh, of course, uh, Dan's News. It's Thursday, which means it's all about you, the listener, and uh, your feedback on the program. We'll get to some of your emails and wrap up some of the things we did not get to in this busy Humble and Fred week. It is Thursday, and now here is Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton, Toronto, and the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and our newest sponsor, Hush Blankets, with their 100-night guarantee. And now here are two men who made no mention of weather on yesterday's show because therapy works, and no one works more than Humble and Fred. Hey, Dan Duran. Dan Duran's coming to uh, the Sketchway tonight. And um, on the menu, just simple chicken thighs. I don't know about you guys, but I like chicken thighs. I like boneless. I like bone-in. I like bone-in. I like bone-in chicken thighs. What? I like bone-in. I like bone-in. Because boning can make me smile. Mm. I like boning. Oh, yeah. So, uh, chicken thighs. There's a song song and everything. everything. There's a song. By the way, there's a series on Netflix. I don't know the name of it, but look it up. And it's basically... A series where the host breaks uh, breaks down one song, and he, he interviews the band, hmm. and they go through how the song was created. And there's a series of there. I, I guess it's a couple seasons. The one I watched though was the the band was REM. Maybe you've heard of it, and uh, talked about how "Losing My Religion" was created and how it changed the band. Uh, forever anyway it's fascinating and because i as you just reminded me because you say there's a song and everything but mm-hmm. very they changed very, the band because of their well their fame from yeah the song, or, for yeah. a lot of reasons it, they, they were like at, at that point you know 19 and then it made me think about us back in the 90s and um that song came out in 1990 and for 10 years prior to that rem you know they were sort of an okay band they had several albums five or six albums before that song but that song put them on an international level that they had not... That's not the kind of fame they'd had before. They had sort of a regional fame, if you will. But we played, you know, I don't know, we played that song a, a billion times at The Edge. Oh. But That's uh, my memories of The Edge. Uh, R.E.M. are like right near the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting, too. Like, it's funny, you, you know, after we watched uh, Get Back, the documentary, and we were all excited about, you know, how the Beatles created those songs... And some of them happened so quickly. Well, R.E.M. wrote that song. Like, the music was the guy was... It came out because he was trying to learn how to play the mandolin, the guitar player guy. Mm. And the song just... It sort of happened in one day. In fact, or a couple of days. But the song that we play all the time was literally their first and only take of it. Like, they did it in one take. They didn't do a lot of overdubbing. I don't know, I may be getting it wrong, but it was basically, it came together very quick. And I think if you're an Edge fan or a fan of ours, you might like this series. And I, again, I don't know the name of it. Oh, life is bigger 
And the, and the phrase losing my religion, it's, it's a southern phrase saying, you know, something was so upsetting. It made me lose my, I could lose my religion, you know. But what a great song. That country could uh, use a lot of that. Yeah, no kidding. We'll get to that as well today. Yeah, we're going to finally uh, serve up a little Roe v. Wade versus Insanity. But, uh, so Dan, you're coming. We're going to have uh, chicken thighs. That's what I'm going to say. And, uh, you know, maybe you could bring... Why don't you bring some sweet treats for the fellas, huh? Sweet treats? Well, like a you dessert. Like-, like, bring a dessert. Bring something to eat after we eat. I don't even... what. What is that? That is such a funny thing, too. Well, we're going to have food... And then after we'll have more food. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, bring a little something sweet for them when the fellas get all high on their medicine. All right. I'll bring a key lime. lime. Something. What's a that, Freddie? Lime, a key lime pie. Mm. I don't know. Key lime pie, box of freezies. Bunch of fine, I don't know. Do oh, something. Box of freezies. <laughs> freezies. Freezies. You know, I'll What's tell you, it? key lime pies, there's frozen. Um, you know, in your uh, supermarket freezer, the the key lime pies always seem to be pretty good. Yeah, they do. Like even the McCain ones. I don't know what it is. I love a key lime pie. Dan, do that, and then you know, with the Graham uh, crust and stuff. Come on. Mm-hmm. Well, you could do that. I would. Here's the thing. You know, once because once uh, you know we settle in for the night, I'll eat a key lime pie. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. I don't even care. What, what about me? What about me? You can have some. Howard. No. Okay. But uh, y'all, I'll leave it up to you, Dan Duran. All right. I'll I'll figure something out. I'll <sighs> put my brain on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We should a bag of uh, M and M's. Me bring a bag yeah. of bet. No. Well, that's a good because Howard likes to watch stuff at night and pop little. Mm-hmm. I like frozen M and M's. But uh, I'll uh, I'll leave it up to you, Dan. You're a bright man, and uh, you'll figure it out. Okay, thank you. That is interesting. Thanks, Dan. You know, people have, uh, you know, you have appetizers. That's the food before the food. Then you have the food. And then you have the dessert, which is the food after the food. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty, you know, I wonder if, you know, I've thought of this before. Because, you know, we're so wasteful here in North America. You know, we throw out so much food. And we, we leave the water running when we brush our teeth. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we, oh, yeah. we leave the water running. We, we brush it. <laughs> so I just wonder if people... In some of the uh, countries less fortunate could see how we live. They just puke. They'd be like, what the fuck? You're throwing that out. I know. You know, those places in Africa, everyday people have to walk like. <laughs> <laughs> like what? 12, 12 miles to get water. Oh, yeah. You know the old joke, right? <laughs> Why don't you just fucking move closer to oh, the yeah. water? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you live so far from the water? That's awful. I mean, it's terrible. It's it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the most wasteful things I do. I know you all do it too, which is you turn the tap on, you put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, you turn the tap on, get the tooth toothbrush wet, brush your teeth while the tap is running. I know. Even Dan Duran. No, I don't do that. Oh, really? I do not. Don't you? Oh, please, Suzuki. <laughs> I don't. Oh, come I mean, on. Uh, it seems wasteful to me. Always oh, has. Okay. So I turn it on and do this and then no, right. wander sure around with the electric That's toothbrush, right. you know, observe things. And, then, from, uh, and Dad, of course, uses uh, not toothpaste, but recycled raccoon shit. <laughs> oh, and he only uses rainwater, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Which he captures into on his tarp. 
He's got a rain barrel everywhere. Even one on his fucking car. You know, for, for drinking. Yeah. He's got, <laughs> he has a rain barrel on his car? Oh, yeah. Just Fuck. catch the water so he could, if he's thirsty while he's driving. He's yeah. very efficient. Rain Man Duran. That's what we'll call you. Rain Man yeah. Duran. A little tube down from the barrel that, you know, comes through the roof. <laughs> he just reached over. Just reaches. Over yeah. Oh, he sets such an example for the rest of us. Mm, He's yeah. better than we are. He's better than yeah. everyone. Uh, all right, Dan Duran. Uh, listen, don't you show up here without a key lime pie. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay. Don't you dare Sounds get in. Good, yeah. Don't yeah, you right. dare. Well, the decision's been made. All right. So, you know, no, or, or. Or surprise yeah. me. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, listen, everyone. Uh, it's great to be with you. We'll finally start the show now. Uh, this program brought to you by Hush. Hush is here to help if you're having trouble sleeping. A lot of people do do. And whether you're a hot sleeper or a cold sleeper, Hush has what you need to get the job done. They carry everything from pillows and sheets to their best-selling weighted blankets. You know, the weighted blanket people. That's who Hush is. And if you're looking to improve your nightly rest naturally, Hush has the answer with their 100-night guarantee on all their products. Try. Think about this. You can try a Hush product for 100 nights and return it, no hassle, whatsoever and here's the deal you go to hushblankets.com put in the promo code h-u-m-b-l-e the promo code is h-m-b-u-l h-u-m-b-l-e for 10% off that's the highest discount they offer at hushblankets.com hey the chambers of commerce group insurance and chamberplan.ca is where to go get a free quote today it's canada's number one group benefits plan for small business all sorts of testimonials on the page like this one the plan was well presented by individuals that were genuinely interested in creating a great plan for our business with our unique needs and that's the thing with small business often you have unique needs because come on cash flow you know revenue often an issue you're riding that fine line so you have to be on top of what your costs are know exactly what they're going to be and the chamber plan has done a fantastic job of holding the line of premiums over the past few years they really have Look into it. It's there to be seen. The data is there. Uh, Chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote today. Uh, It's kind of just happened. I don't know. We didn't really plan it. That Thursdays. uh, Well, we did plan the fact that Thursdays we just wanted to do the the show by ourselves. But we didn't really plan that on Thursdays we would address the emails that come in. We just thought, I don't know. We get a bunch of them and rather than do them every day. We could take uh, Thursdays and take a little time to acknowledge all the nice people that correspond with us. I mean, you know, listen, we get some correspondence that's a bit prickly. And that's uh, that's okay. But uh, again, it's Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. And uh, we're not going to read all of these. We're not, I mean, not the because you know what we're like. We don't like to read too many paragraphs. So, but we would like to acknowledge all the people that uh, definitely correspond and listen to this program. Go ahead. Well, no, you start. Oh, the fr- I thought you were going to read the Jeff Kilborn. It's long and sort of directed. Well, okay. I guess a bit at you. All right. Well, uh, okay. So Jeff Kilborn. Hi guys. Hang on. I know. Here we go. Hi guys. Hi guys. All right, Jeff says, hi guys, I'm not looking for a shout out or anything, but I had a funny story and I thought of you and the stories about his boss and uh, I made some comment. Uh, one of the restaurant. Ap- 
at a restaurant. One of the appetizer specials was a zesty Israeli salad, to which I commented, do you really think this guy would order that dish? Pointing to my boss, who's Turkish. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, a tad offside. And if she was Jewish, I could see how she might be offended. I don't really know. He goes on to talk about how the waitress finally had had enough of his guff at some point. And... Uh, it was just oh, one. He of, said, "He said, don't mind us um, um, talking about him and his boss. Don't right. mind us. We're gabbing like a couple of girls. Oh, right, and yeah. It took a, offense to that. She got triggered, and she said, "That's the second vile thing to come out of your mouth once more." And I'm calling the police. Mm-hmm. And, okay. he, and this is a good point he's making. He said, "That's where we're at." Bill Maher is onto something. Yeah, maybe old tropes need to be retired. But to threaten calling the police, and that's a great example of the millennial generation, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all softer than our parents, but these are really a soft group. Um, oh, yeah. Mar has some great material on it. He really does. In fact, I was lying in bed last night listening to Real Time from last Friday, and he makes some good points. Like, again, we're not preparing them properly. I, I had the story yesterday with you, all the... Um, you know, the schools in Toronto, like the art schools and everything, no oh, yeah. longer are you going to have to audition. Tell that story. I thought a lot about that yesterday. Yeah. Tell that. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to me. Well, um, to back up, like when I took a broadcasting course in Scarborough back in the 70s, I went to Winston Churchill and the broadcasting course was at Stephen Leacock. I had to audition. I had to go and sit in front of a panel and I had to plead my case and I had to prove why I deserved and I had to audition and... Here in Brampton, my um, daughter went to Mayfield. Mel went to Mayfield. She had to audition for the drama class. And it was, yeah, it was pretty tense and it was pretty nerve-wracking, but she made the grade. Same with Spencer. Well, no, don't forget, Spencer, Uh when Spencer went to high school, she was in Oakville, another city. She came to Toronto, had to Mm -hmm. audition to get into the Etobicoke School of the Arts. My other daughter uh, wanted to go to OCAD. You have to present a portfolio. You have to actually audition to get into the school and not everyone does now all yeah these art schools now this is toronto district school board in particular i don't know about the other ones but from now on there will be no auditions there will be no holding your feet to the fire sort of to see if you're up to uh you know you're up to it it's going to be sort of a random thing and keeping in mind marginalized people and who is underrepresented represented and the long and the short of it there's going to be more qualified kids on the outside looking in and yeah. less qualified kids on the inside and honestly i I don't want to hear any arguments defending that because it's just, as you said yesterday, it's just not reality. You know, when you get out into the real world, that's not the way it works. So how is that preparing you for anything? I'm going to tell you, because I I thought a lot about it. For some reason, it came up in my brain a couple times yesterday at how bizarre it was because I, listen, I'm 62 years old. Yesterday before the show, uh, my agent had sent me a script to audition for. Yeah. And I'm still doing that at all these years later. No one is going, well, we need this many people. So I guess only Howard should apply. What I was going to say, though, is what, what made me think of it is the people who are doing it. Yes, I understand that we want to open up these opportunities to everyone. And there are people that have been underserved. The problem is it, you're doing them a disservice. That's what I thought. Because the world is 
the world, especially that world, is a world of pass-fail. And pass-fail is how you learn. Through failure is where you come, is where growth comes from. So if you're kind of not being subjected to, because the four people we just, we just talked about, our kids, <clears throat> excuse me, they didn't, they, no one said, there was no pat, free pass for them to get in. And by trying to get in and getting in, you learn that there's an effort and a result from effort. Anyway. No, I, yeah, you nail it. That's that's the way it is. And uh, it's, to me, this, you know, it's this slippery slope thing, Howard. Again, who decides who has been underserved and who yep. decides that that kid should have, you know, more opportunity than this kid or that kid? It's, you know, it's a competitive world out there. Deal fucking with it. Yeah, I don't want to like, like, listen, I also get the other side of the argument is and I sort of made it a second ago that, you know, you, you, we do need to open up opportunity to everyone because not everyone has the same opportunity. I'll use golf as an example. You know, there's a program that started years ago in the States and we have it in Canada now called First Tee. And it's basically an opportunity to expose people to the sport that otherwise wouldn't be. That's a little bit different. In this situation, they're just if they're saying now that these these art schools and opportunities will be weighted in a way that doesn't represent the real world because you're what you said at the beginning, there're going to be some people that are worthy of the opportunity that won't get it because they're not part of this group anymore. Right. But even you know the underrepresented, the marginalized like Put them aside. What's wrong with auditioning? Even them. No, I know. You know, you know, like. I know. Going through that stressful situation. The world and life is full of stressful situations. And a lot of. See, that's a problem now. And Bill Marsara touches on that. They're so coddled and they're so looked after that they get out in the real world. Somebody looks at them wrong and. You hurt my feelings. You, you're <laughs> yeah. not supposed to do that to me. You, you know, you're being unfair. And it's, well, no, I'm not being unfair. It's just the world, the way it works. Yeah. And great. If you, you know, if your generation wants to change it, great. But right now, the fact that you don't like the way we've asked you to, you know, show up to work on time is a problem. Well, I, that's life. Back to Jeff Kilborn's email, you know, I, I, listen, I'm, I've said this before, especially on the golf course, um, I'm, you know, older guys being creepy with the cart girl and being inappropriate, some men being inappropriate. I, I, in the time I've been in the golf world, I know lots of members that have been suspended and, and chastised for how they are acting with these young women. But this encounter he's talking about when the waitress says that's the second vile thing you said one more and i'm calling the police how would that phone call go uh yes uh, metro yeah a man said something about gabbing like girls and i'm triggered are you kidding me no uh saturday after the ball game doll and i went to um skedabush near you skedabush uh it's sure way there and a great uh, a, a great waitress she really was she was bubbly and bright and helpful and then when she brought the appetizer uh, a couple of things a salad and some of this uh, mozzarella cheese I fantastic. love that I know but she puts it down in front of doll and she says ladies first and I said to her jokingly I said oh are you still allowed to say that and she started laughing she said yeah I know I should watch myself eh? 
But I mean, that, that that's what it comes down to. Now we're all sort of, you know, super aware of everything we say or everything we, I know. we, we do. Because it, it, it actually sounded weird to me to yep. have a young girl say, oh, ladies first. But I do want to say there's a distinction between making an innocuous comment like, well, we've just been we've been gabbing like a couple of girls. It's old. It's yeah. old. It sounds antiquated, mm-hmm. but it's not right. being a douchebag to the waitress. No, which is a different. And I know, like I said, that those days are done. And they should be done when these, you know, again, that always disgusted me when they're being creepy. Listen, you know, I'm sure I've done it, but it's something I try not to do. I over, I try to go the opposite. I try not to be creepy with, you know. You know, there's a theory, too, that a lot of these kids, you know, have been so coddled. And then all of a sudden they're throwing up, thrown into the work world. A lot of it is looking for excuses not to do the job anymore. Yeah, right? I get it. So they're yeah. offended. They're um, distressed. They're put out by the the smallest of things because it's maybe a hook that I don't have to do this job anymore. Maybe. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. But Hi in every situation, it's different. Guys. Um, but anyways, uh, for a guy that didn't want to shout out, Jeff Kilborn. causing quite a stir. Let's move on. If we can't, we got a lot to get through. Uh, this guy uh, says, uh, yeah, Scott Shields, he says, hi, guys, this is mostly directed at Howard. Howard has been looking for a new show to watch. He recommends The Americans streaming on Disney Plus set in the 1980s. Well, that would be a new show to you, but mm-hmm. that show has been around for years. It's uh, two Russian KGB agents who have been brought up in Russia to think, talk and act like Americans. I guess they're they're here to be spies. I gave it three or four shots. Uh, back, what, 2018, I guess, was the final season, he says. Uh, I wasn't big on it, but, Howard, you might like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. He also talks about uh, being nervous while driving with your daughter in Toronto. Howard uh, would know this is a pilot, but it might be a surprise to Fred and Dan that you can legally fly a plane on your own at 14. Yeah. He said, I went solo the week before my 16th birthday, was flying by myself before I had my G1. He says, imagine Johnny Slapshot hopping into a Cessna a couple of years ago, flying on his own. Thanks for the great shows, and I hope uh, to be caught up soon. Uh, great points. Very well done, Shields. Scott Shields. Yeah, imagine. Because Johnny is, what, 10? He'll be 10 in December. So you think about that. Like in four years, Johnny's saying, hey, Grandpa, come fly with me. Come fly Hi with me. Hi come Hi fly away. Good morning, guys, says... Dave Little, who is a regular contributor to this program. Hi, guys. He says, my buddy Andrew is in Florida and is a big fan of the show, too. He was sitting poolside when he noticed this unusual tree, which he now refers to as the Dan tree. And it's a picture of a tree with a giant wing. Wing, wang. (laughs) Wang, wang. Giant wang. That's it. It does look like a cock-a-doodle-doo. Yes, it does. All right, coming up next, Dean Mitrovich. Freddy? Yeah, how about this one? Hi, guys. I know Fred expected Tampa to sweep. Not necessarily. I didn't say that. But they had to win the first game just to give us... He's talking about the Leafs here. Uh, Leafs had to win the first game just to give us false hope so they can properly crush our souls. And, of course, you know by now the Leafs lost a game two, uh, five to three. It was really a 5-1 game. They scored a couple of late goals. But sorry, people, that's your reality last night. And, uh, you know, 
not saying the Leafs won't win again. I have them. I have them ticketed maybe to win Game Five, but that'll be it. Well, we uh, talked. Uh, that's why I said at the beginning of the day when you and I got on the you know the Zoom about. 20 minutes before the show, we started talking about the game. And then I said, okay, well, let's just keep this until we start recording. And, and what I saw was what you had said, because I watched the first 30 minutes last night. And then I listened to it on the way home, which was interesting, listening to Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph again. I hadn't done that in a long time. They're good. They're, They're good. so yeah. good. I yeah. love Bowen. You know, oh, I, yeah. we, we got to know Joe a bit years ago, and I just like his style. I know some people think it's over the top, but I don't care. I enjoy listening to him. Anyway, the point I'm making is, the real Tampa Bay showed up last night. They just look like they look like, and you made this point off the air about how, like, you know, with really elite players like Tiger and, and other athletes, Jordan, they just have a way of kind of going, okay, adjust, reset, move on, and that's what Tampa Bay did last night. Yeah, that it was sweet, the 5 nothing thing with the Leafs and the reaction. But you, I even said that. I just hold on. I mean, this is a seasoned group, this Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. two Stanley Cups. Down the stretch, they had a, a compressed schedule. It was pretty tough. You know, in the first game against the Leafs in the playoffs, yeah, they didn't sh- really show up. But, you know, they gave the, their head a shake, and they got a great coach. And it was like, okay, let's look at the film. What happened here? Okay, this, this, and that. And... Last night as a result. And, you know, not that Jack Campbell was bad, but that goalie cannot win you a Stanley Cup. No. Sorry. Well, there's two things. Uh, I, I keep getting... I should write his name down because I can't remember it. Their goalie on Tampa Bay, Vladislav Diggins. Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky is the real deal. He, I, I, he made the save. I told you they described it perfectly. Mm-hmm. He made a save early in the... Not sorry, midway through the first period, and he call, they call, the announcer called it a hockey card from the seventies save, and it was just that classic uh, leg out uh, glove hand save that just basically robbed the the Leafs. But also, um, I'm trying to remember the point. Oh, the uh, fact that the Tampa Bay has not lost a second game in a row in a playoff game in fourteen games. Yeah, they just Whatever don't that, lose yeah. it. No, they don't. And again, they are, well, they're champs. They're champions, well-seasoned champions that basically are still in their prime. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. The Leafs losing this series, which they're going to, it's not going to be any great tragedy. I mean, it is generally because of their history. But if the Leafs didn't have that history and they lost to this team, it would be, it would be like, well, you know, that's a great team we lost to and better luck next year. It's just everything's so compounded. And, and people are so desperate for victories. This was just a shitty matchup for the Leafs. That's unfortunate. Yeah, because the Leafs aren't bad. It's and they and they didn't no. look they didn't look terrible last night. But Jack Campbell, you're right, isn't the goaltender that Vissalev is, and uh, and uh, and none of the goals were weak. It's just a couple times no. you need you need him you need him to do what the other guy did, which is snatch a, a goal from mm. them. Yeah. And they just didn't. Uh, but thank you very much. Uh, who was that from? Dean. Uh, this is from Debbie Lynch, who's a really nice person, as all our listeners are. Debbie uh, sent me a note because I think we're talking about dog, dog poop. The guy that wouldn't pick it up. He says, she said, dog poop vigilante shaming Toronto neighborhoods is the hero we deserve. And it's an article from Blog TO. I uh, guess about uh, someone that's going around. Excuse me, the city as the dog poop vigilante, and I got to be a hundred percent on honest. It was a few days ago, and I and I can't remember. 
anyway, I can't remember what the what it was. Uh, oh, but that, it was a um, story. This person in Toronto noticed that yeah, people are bagging the poop, but then just leaving the the right. bags there. You had made that point. right. And then she sent a, a picture of this guy that had gone around the parks and picked up all the bags, and I think put them along a fence or something to display the, mm, okay. all these bags. And it really is disgusting. Well, like, what's the use of bagging it and then just leaving it, as you said? Like, it seems so weird. And what? Uh, what's? And it would be weird enough. Like, like I, like I can almost stand. Like, listen, I don't always have a bag. I mean, I've been at dog parks and borrowed them, but what the one that weirded me out was if you if you bag your dog's poop in the park mm-hmm. <laughs> just like it's almost like you couldn't walk to the the can uh mm-hmm. all right but anyways thank you very much very nice people Hi, and uh this next one Hi, Hi, also a bit convoluted uh i don't know if we want to get into it other than to say it's about american politics and it came from eileen sarah do you want to just see if you can summer summarize that or well uh, something to do with uh, donald trump botching jd vance's name at a rally a guy that he and en- had endorsed but right Okay. Call him J.P. Mandel or some shit. Or yeah. And by the way, you know, J.D. Vance won, I think. Yeah. Part of the point there is, you know, the right Fox News, whenever Biden says something wrong or, you know, mispronounces, it's front page news. Mm-hmm. Yet they were always overlooking anything Trump did. And, you know, CNN and MSNBC do it the same way, the other way. Mm-hmm. Everybody's picked their team and you overlook what your guy does and highlight what the other guy does, even though they're doing the same thing. And it's really tedious. It, it, it really is. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to uh, Brother Bill. Always great to hear from our friend Neil Morrison. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do this one? Uh, hi, guys. Noticing how much the commentators are mentioning the crowds. Every single broadcaster has clearly been sent an email from the NHL. Just saying. Uh, Exactly what his point is, I'm not sure, other than is it to promote the league? Like, oh, look at our crowds are great or something? I... I'm do do you I noticed it to be honest with you I did I noticed a few times it was referencing how exciting the games were uh the playoff the, the uh, Monday night was the first playoff game in front of an audience a, a crowd for the team in a couple of years since the pandemic and I mentioned to you the day after I said, "Well, it looks to me like between Maple Leaf Square and and the mm-hmm. uh, Scotiabank it looked to me like I guess the pandemic's over because everyone was standing next to each other." And look at the numbers it pretty well is. Um I haven't. Don't tell me. What do you mean? I haven't even looked at them lately. What are, what are the, where are well, we at With now? all the Maple Leaf squares and all the Rogers centers and all the Scotiabank arenas and all the people crowding onto the go bus without masks, the numbers, like the hospital or ICUs are down like 30 or 40 from last week. Hospital admissions are down like a couple of hundred from last week. So as we're mingling more, the numbers are still going down. So, I mean, it's trending. It's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess over isn't the word, but, you know, we're in a position where we can get on with life, and that's a good thing. It sure looked to me like it was over because I, that's one of the things. And as far as Bill's point goes, I did I did hear the announcers reference it, but not to me. It was more like just an acknowledgement that they were, it was an exciting time for the first time in a couple of years to play in front of a crowd. Well, the Leaf crowd was fantastic for game one. Yes, Unfortunately, last night they were silenced pretty quick. Yeah. 
the second period they were <laughs> sort of taken out of the equation. Um, let me say something to Bill. Bill, why you got to be so picky all the time, man? Hi guys. <laughs> Come on, Bill. Hi guys. Come on, Bill. Uh, this is from uh, da, 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 Jeremy Scott. He says, "Hi guys." It occurred to me while this is interesting. He says, it "Occurred to me while listening that Dan's Dan Duran's inability to remember." Rather significant historical events in his life, i.e. his father's passing or his own fucking age. That Dan very well could have been sitting on the glass in Moscow when Paul Henderson scored the big goal and simply forgotten he was even there. Anyway... That made me laugh. On a more serious note, I'm a more. He goes on to talk about he wants to uh, support Ford, but uh, wants us to get Polyev on the show, or for that matter, anyone associated with him. We would very much like you guys to grill him and not let him evade the question of abortion and mm-hmm. the freedom fuckers. Very yeah. concerned about the state of affairs. Sorry, the email was so long, but you know words and shit. Jeremy Scott. No, he makes a good point that I think a lot of people are, and I'm in that position. Can't speak for you that you know to be honest the provincial election uh i'm not even going to say by default but i'll probably vote conservative and for ford based on what i've seen uh and i give him a bit of a pass through the pandemic because you know it was a horrible situation for a politician to be in it really was and i say that about trudeau as well what what conservatives are struggling with is the direction of the federal party Mm -hmm. and where it's going and i can identify with that it scares the the crap out of me because if these you know that that wing that's taken on the american profile no way buddy no way i want no part of it i'd vote for trudeau before i go that way so would i Especially when I've started, I've started to see some of the literature coming out of that, whatever that new party's called, the shithead party. But that's what they're, they're trying to make it seem like they're the more conservative of the conservatives, but they're not. They're just more, they're more the creepy of the conservatives. Well, are you talking about the new blue? That's yeah, yeah. provincial now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, whatever. What's this, it, what's guy's th- talking, this guy's talking federal with Poliev, but this new blue, yeah. again, it's just a bunch of redneck assholes disguised as a That's what I'm talking about. Party. Yeah. 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 And I and this guy, um, uh, we I think we got, somebody sent a note saying that one of them showed up at his door. Well, we I think the next one references the uh, true blue. Well, let's read the next one because it's from uh, Chris Kay and Milton. And uh, has a bit of an update for us. Uh, He says, firstly, uh, I know you don't watch network cable TV much. Just thought you might be interested that former guests on your show, Dr. Mysterian and Steffi K, the sentimentalists, are semifinalists on Canada's Got Talent. I can't remember any of that, but... Now, you remember them. They they were actually on our show, and then they did our Christmas show. He was really... He's really good. This And their, their act is really good. Oh, okay. Okay. Secondly, the local True Blue candidate's uh, brother appeared at my door Wednesday afternoon, canvassing the neighborhood to promote their bid for a majority government. Uh, I had no time for them, but uh, made a point of mentioning Theo Fleury and how it takes away from any credibility they may have, which is true because Theo is a big backer of them, even though he lives out west. He said that Theo was just a fan and does not represent the party. Their flyer is attached. He sent their flyer with their campaign notes on it. And again, it's the usual crap. It's dog whistling nonsense. Yeah, it's like uh, white. We, it's like we want more white people. Yeah, 
even though uh, the flyer didn't f- features of people of color or one person of color, but that's that well, thing, that tokenism that fucking drives me nuts. The props. Absolutely. That when they pay those black people to stand behind Trump for all his rallies. No, I know. Uh, thank you, guys. Loving you as always. Chris K. from Milton. Great job, everyone. Thanks, Chris K. Thanks, everyone that emailed us this week. Real pleasure to hear from you, Humble and Fred, at humbleandfredradio.com. Before we move on to another subject, which I'd like to get into with you, which is this abortion immaturity, let's uh, make us, don't let's not get too far afield before we talk about uh, somebody like, uh, well, who do you got in front of you? Well, the retirement Sherpa. Okay. I like that. You know, Tim Niblett, a uh, portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Timmy wasn't with us yesterday. He was out in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Um, He was with us in spirit, though. And his team Mm -hmm. uh, being celebrated for their accomplishments over the years. And we're not surprised. Mm -hmm. Look at Tim. Look at at his demeanor. Beautiful. What he's done. He's an angel. His his involvement (laughs) with the Humble and Fred show and the way he's gathered clients through us and how pleased they are with the results it really is it's a beautiful lovely thing and you know when he makes the point that humble and fred works you know humble and fred works for him tim niblett works for us it really is a lovely marriage a lot of works oh a lot He's of good work going He's on. He's the retirement Sherpa. RetirementSherpa.ca. You know, the uh, Gig Sky guest of the day today is our listener. Our listeners. By the way, before I forget, I because you were talking about something with Bill Maher. Um, and I finally stayed awake. I'm going to get to Gig Sky in a second. I finally stayed awake for an entire episode of Smartless. Because uh, after the Leafs went down, I think it was 4-1 or whatever it was, I went upstairs and I still had enough energy to listen to what I think is one of the one of my favorite episodes because we're Canadian is Mike Myers. Now, it'll come out. It'll come out on Spotify next Monday. But if you're an Amazon Music, you know, whatever I have it, you know what I loved about it is, first of all, Mike Myers is so goddamn nice and mm-hmm. talented mm-hmm. and those guys respect the shit out of him but also there was some great Toronto talk because one thing about Myers he is unpol- unapologetically Canadian mm-hmm. and him and Will went off on Don Mills this and Canada that and Winnipeg oh, oh dude gotta hear it. you're gonna fucking love it like I I was I, I stayed awake for the entire thing. I was pretty impressed with myself. That, but I just was. I'm so enamored with Myers and what he's doing, and he's got a new series coming out. And you know, guys are going on that show to promote stuff now, obviously. But it was a neat episode. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, he went to my high school. I, yes, and. Uh, my neighborhood, really part of my neighborhood, right at Kennedy Road, just south of Lawrence, they uh, put a little townhouse development in there, and uh, the street is called Mike Myers Boulevard or Mike Myers Avenue, yeah. right near where I grew up. So, hey, one thing to be a Scarberian, you know, we're all so very proud of growing up there, but to have a street named after you, my God, I could only... How, could only how is there no Fred Patterson way <laughs> in goddamn Brampton? Like, seriously. Mm. We got to talk to that Patty Brown guy. See if you can get your one. But anyway, if you're if you if you know this, if you may have heard of Smartless. We've talked about it. it one of my favorite episodes. Uh, so our Gig Sky guest of the day, brought to you by Gig Sky. I'll tell you right now, you can download the Gig Sky app. Enter the code HF2022. Get you five dollars off your first plan at GigSky.com. 
the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries. You can get it for Android or iOS and catch up on some of the travel that you've missed no matter where you go. GigSky offers a 100% data plan, and we mentioned this a few times, but go check out gigsky.com slash travel rewards. Sign into your account and find out more information about discounts all over the planet at gigsky.com. I mentioned this uh, word yesterday. Sometimes when I think of the Americans, and us too some in some ways, but... You know, there are certain principles of being a Canadian that don't seem to ever be up for debate. One is obviously we, we have socialized medicine. We have health care. We, we never really think about same-sex marriage anymore. We've had it so long. It's just part of our society. You know, we have marijuana. We have sort of a different way of doing things. But I don't ever have, I know maybe you do, but I never have debates with anyone about abortion. It never comes up. It just seems our society has accepted that a woman, and do I even need to say, has the right to choose what to do with a them's own bodies. Yeah, um, I, it doesn't go much beyond that for me. In fact, it doesn't go anything beyond that for me. Your body, your choice. Yeah. And what I find aggravating is these stuffy old white men, really. And I hate even using that term, but it's true in this case sitting in these uh, positions of power making the decision on that level for women. Yeah. Uh, And uh, the reason I say immature is like, uh, you know, I don't, how are you still, how are they still having this debate? And I don't know, there's all this comp, I mean, there's a bunch of arguments I've been trying to read about the complexity of the Supreme Court and what they think is a, you know, that Roe versus Wade should never have been something or other. I don't even, I don't really get that part. But I, as I said yesterday, they don't, I think they've underestimated the reaction to this. Now, when it gets into the terms, how long a woman has been pregnant and what a cutoff should point should be, I, I, I don't know. It's, sometimes it gets a bit of my interest because you think, wow, if the fetus is this at this stage of development and, but you can't let yourself get drawn into that because, again, at the end of the day, it's the woman's choice. Like, you know, abortion's a horrible thing. We all wish that they never, they weren't necessary and they never happened, but that's not reality. And at the same time, you cannot identify with the person that has that within their body and the choices they have to make. Of course, it's not a, it's not a nice thing. It's not an ideal situation. It's not an ideal situation ever. But that's, that's not the issue. Well, the issue, to, the issue is choice in this, hey, this free society that yeah. we're striving for. You know, I, I've seen so many great memes or whatever where, you know, it shows a picture of a mask and then a picture of a uterus, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then it's like my body, my choice, your body, my choice. Yeah. But to your point about late term or this or that, listen, there's lots of situations where the 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 baby can't isn't won't sustain a re a, a life it's got problems with its organs there's all kinds of circumstances right. there's rape there's uh, all all kind of stuff mm-hmm. but you said it none of that has anything to do with a human being having domain over her body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but these assholes that are so anxious to have roe versus wade over 
turned are the ones that are screaming about as you said personal freedom masks and vaccines and it's like it's my body it's my choice yeah Except for that. Except for that. Like, what's that? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know. Uh, don't I don't have to tell you if I've been vaccinated, but, I don't, but I'm against abortion. Go fuck yourself. So I've got a couple things I've picked out uh, from the internet. Here's one. Stop abortion at the source, says this, uh, this uh, tweet. Vasectomies are reversible. Make every young man have one. When he's deemed financially and emotionally fit to be a father, it will be reversed. What's that? Did the idea of regulating a man's body make you uncomfortable? Then yeah. mind your fucking business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you imagine these right-wing religious assholes if you said, oh, no, okay, well, what we're going to say now, we're going to make a legislation that you can't, you, you, that you have to be vasectomized or whatever at a certain age. Oh, okay. You know, in that clip you played from uh, George Carlin yesterday, brilliant. I mean, that says it all. So much about the United States. They care so much about the baby inside, but once it's outside... <laughs> Move on. Here's the, uh, I really like this actor, and he's, he's a pretty smart guy. His name is Bradley Whitford. He was on the West Wing, and he says, Women don't inseminate themselves. If you want to take away their right to control their own bodies without ensuring that the inseminator takes full legal responsibility for the child, at the moment of inception, you're not pro-life. You just hate women. You want to punish them. And I thought that was very smart. You know, if, if you believe life begins at the moment of you know, uh, it's, you know, conception. Uh, conception, then the, that man has to have instant responsibility to take care of it for the rest of its fucking life. <laughs> well, that doesn't fly in a lot of cultures. No. And a lot of cultures that have found their way into Canada as well. Sorry, just the truth. Yeah. But I, I, I know you're a guy that likes political debate way more than me, really, but. I mean, I like debating with you, but it's not like I don't really have a lot of discussions like this in my everyday life. No, I I certainly don't. Do you remember the last time you had a conversation with anyone about abortion? No, no. I mean, in the you know, in the uh, where I hang, it's it's just a woman's choice. Like, it's not really debatable, you know, like it's not a thing. But again, I'm not, I'm never in religious circles because it creeps me out. Yeah. Sort of stay away from that. I just can't recall in my adult life ever, it ever coming up in a party situation or people talking about it. Listen, and I, you know, I've, I've been anti-religion a long time. I've gotten Mm -hmm. into some heated discussions where, you know, ex-wife Randy, you know, pulled me aside and went, you're fucking ruining this party. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've had that discussion where I've been told before we go to the party, please don't talk about that. So I just don't recall anyone in our sort of circle being anti-abortion you know and to be fully you know transparent and honest you know i've had some abortion experience it's not it's not a great experience you know it's not great for anybody no of course not that's what i said you know i think we can safely say it would be great if there was never ever another abortion i mean because it is it's it's i mean what the woman listen even when a woman makes that decision then what she goes through oh yeah you know like it's a horrible horrible position to be in and then the decision has has to be made and that's a horrible decision and yeah of course you wouldn't you don't want anybody to go through that but that's not reality and it's going to happen and when it does 
It's the decision of one person. <laughs> and you just ask yourself, are the, are the I know this is a cliche, are going to be a rhetorical, but are the Republicans, are, not, are they ever on the right side of anything? Here's this asshole, Matt Gates. How many of the women rallying against overturning Roe are overeducated, underloved millennials who sadly return from protests to a lonely microwave dinner with their cats and no bumble matches? You know, I know he's trying to be clever and funny and they're, you know, throwing some references there. But like, that's just a perfect example of how out of touch this guy is. And he represents all those guys. Is, that's Matt Gates, you said? Yes, sir. The guy that, you know, has alleged to be sort of tied up in some kind of human sexual trafficking ring. Yep. Who, again, I don't know. <clears throat> but if you told me tomorrow that... A few fetuses of his have been aborted. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Would not surprise me at all. Well, you don't think Donald fucking Trump has had abortions by the dozens? Or not himself, obviously. But it's such that's the problem. And I think we both find it frustrating how hypocritical it all is. Mm -hmm. And where it comes from, of course, is religion. And yeah. And this is why I've really, again, the, the so... And speaking of Bill Maher, I disagree with him on one. You know, he went on about how he thinks Twitter has blown it. He doesn't want to hear the argument that, you know, it's a private company. They can do what they want. Let's look beyond that. They have become the town hall and they do have responsibilities and they've blown it. I, I, I can't take it that far. I can't personally get beyond the fact that it's a private company. They can do what they want. Mm-hmm. And you and I as individuals, you can opt in or opt out. It doesn't change your life one way or another if you are part of Twitter or not part of Twitter. So that's as far as it goes with me. The point I'm making here is the frustration. You know, when it comes down to vaccines and masks and stuff like that, and when you hear the arguments on the other side, or a guy like Theron Fleury, or a guy like Richard Surrett, they're out there, and they put forth these arguments that are just so ridiculous that it's frustrating. It just, it eats at you. You know, it gives you a, a knot in your stomach. And I find the more I can stay away from that stuff, the mm-hmm. better off I am. <laughs> you know? Well, I, and you, well, you make a point about you don't have to be on social media. You're not. You know? I don't, uh, my Twitter universe yeah. is pretty narrow. It's, pr- sure. if, you know, if you go back and look at what I write, yeah, I, on the odd time I make a dig at America, but mostly it's about my favorite thing, which is golf and comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really, yeah, when I, when I picked out those things this morning for the show, they, I sought, I sought right. that out. Yeah. But you make the point and I'm the same way. Like I don't spend a bunch of my day anymore doing this because it makes me, it, it gets me unsettled. Right. Uh, on Mars show last week was Ali Velcher, the Velchi, the Canadian guy. And you know, he was making some great points too. You know, he countered Mars' position with, yeah, but there was so much misinformation and dangerous material on there that something had to be done. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to say something. Somebody had to be sort of big brother. Responsible, it yeah. Just, it was just dangerous. And, you know, when I read, I see, you know, again, Theron Flurry, who's crazy. That's <laughs> no, bad I know. shit. Cra- like, it's pathetic. Yeah, he really it's is. It's so sad, too, where he came from. When he's on about liberals creating climate change, it's, 
Yeah, I know. Like, that's productive? Like, I want to be part of that group? I'm just getting like, a Yeah, I want to check there. my Twitter feed so I can read shit like that that you know, shows up? You mentioned Al, Ali Valshi. Yeah. You know, he's a local guy. He started at BNN back yeah. with our friend, uh, you know, he who will not be named yeah. anymore. But mm-hmm. at the time, they all started off together there at the, mm-hmm. I think, it, what was BNN called? Was it BNN when it began or something else? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, like he started off with uh, with uh, our friend and... Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I and our friend wasn't a big fan of Ali Velshi's. But then I look at where Ali has gone in his oh. career. It's pretty wild, man. Like, he's a big star in the States. He's a big, well-thought-of commentator. He's on, you say he's on Bill Maher. He's on, he's on there for a reason. A lot of people know who he is. Well, because you know what he is? He's, he's got Canadian sensibilities, and he brings that to American politics. And I really think it works. Yeah. He's got compassion and logic. Of course, all the, you know, the usual suspect. Oh, he's just a left-wing asshole. Oh, yeah. No, listen to what he says. He yeah. rides the middle pretty good. He just happens to work for MSNBC. Yeah. But again, a lot of those guys to the far right, they don't they don't they don't they don't have time for logic, right? And that's why they don't want to come on shows like this or like any show that invites them on. Like do you think that Sean Hannity would ever go Sit on, you know, uh, Bill Maher opens his show with doing an interview one on one. And do you think Sean Hannity would ever sit in that chair? Do you think Tucker Carlson would ever sit in that chair? No, there's they're just fucking, a, they're yeah, cowards. They don't have the courage. They wouldn't. They would not be able to answer the questions that he would ask. Well, well especially when the first one would be to Hannity. So let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. You were advising you who have no training were advising the president of the free world. Yes. This is what you were doing? Mm-hmm. And what I'd love to show him is, this is what you said on television, but this is what you were saying to Mark Meadows? Yeah. Here's Theo Fleury. When the left talks about misinformation, what they're actually saying is, holy fuck, the truth is coming out, and we can't stop it or get in front of it. Mm-hmm. Misinformation equals panic, double, triple, and quadruple down on the fear porn. Too late to hold the line. Guy's out of his fucking mind. No, I know he is. It's it's sad, and you know. Again, you always have to establish that you know he went through some horrible things as a child, yeah. right? But sorry, push that to the side now. We feel bad for you. Yeah. Now I just think you're an asshole. <laughs> That's right. He's uh, talking yeah. about Trudeau. He's retweeting something about Trudeau because he doesn't have any evidence. His seven year dictatorship is coming to an end. I'm sorry, Theo. <laughs> I know you went through some trouble, but you played for the Moose Jaw fucking Warriors. You're not a bright guy. I mean, you're not. You know, you're, no. you're not the bright. You, you you probably draw. He has a grade ten education, and but he knows what a dictatorship is. Just look at Theo uh, Fleury. Uh, remember when his book came out about sexual abuse and he actually came into the show? Yeah, he was, he was on the show. He was fine. And, and, it was a, and it was a good spot before any of this shit happened. Just think, like, I could see him as a panelist on Hockey Night in Canada. I could see his career having evolved where he would now be part of the guys being paid by ESPN or TBS to be a NHL hockey analyst making some good dough and lending his perspective to winning a did he win a stanley cup with them in 89 i can't remember well, but 88 anyway. wasn't it uh, uh flames no, it was 89 oh okay right 88 was um, the olympics you know what i mean like but now he's gone this way yeah 
And that batshit crazy broad uh, fucking Jamie Salal or the, the, the skater, Salal. right, right. Like she's just a, she's like she's gone crazy too. Yeah. Again, another person. She won gold at the Olympics. She could be turning that into. She could be turning that into gold. So, but you know but now has decided is so crazy. It's gone. The other way. It's like it. it's like a cult in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm just scrolling as we're talking. I'm just scrolling his Twitter feed. Here's another one. Bill Gates is in damage control right now as the Pfizer narrative is imploding while promoting the next pandemic. That's just <laughs> fucking the pandemic. Yeah. But uh-huh. and again, you, you can sort of almost I have some empathy empathy for being sucked into this because it Mm -hmm. must be like though that's living an alternate reality that we're not obviously we're not part of Mm -hmm. and uh as you say it's too bad because theo flurry is a good hockey guy he's got a great story could have gone another way like i don't know who those panelists are to tell you the truth on uh in between periods there i mean i know ron and i know uh elliot i don't really know who the other two guys they're very good, is my point. I really I like them. I think they're they're smart and they seem to know what they're doing. But that could be Theo Fleury. Oh sure, sure it could, and that's the sad point. And it would be one thing if he had taken this great and noble stand and he was correct, or there was some validity to it, mm-hmm. or there was some ac- there was some actual depth to it or truth to it. But it's not. It's. It's like I saw a guy we know the other day, like he's, um, you know, uh, he's retweeting Josh Hawley. Well, on top of everything else, now I'm out. Because if you retweet Josh Hawley, yeah. that's all I need to know about you. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need to know about you as a human being. Can I read you one I last? I don't want you part of my life. Don't don't pretend you're my friend. Don't pretend because I, uh, I can't relate. Can I read you one more then and then I'll leave it alone? Trudeau divided, destroyed people's mental health and livelihoods for a vaccine that gives you only 12% protection for a virus that had a 99.7 survival rate. Think about that. This was never about a virus. This was about implementing a dictatorship into Canada. I know. I'd love to have him on the show and just read that and go, Mm -hmm. hey, smart guy. You explain Mm -hmm. that. Where do you you get 12% protection? Because you're not even close. And you know our buddy Richard Soretta, who we had on the show and enjoyed having on the show, as often retweets Theron Flurry. Yeah. So who just all who's just another? Okay, last one. Found out t- this is one tweet. Found out today I'm an ultra mega. Are you? What? Yeah. He said, "Found out today I'm an ultra mega." I guess maybe somebody chirped him and said he was. You know, he was oh. a MAGA or something. But. And he's proud of that. Oh, proud of it. Yeah. I'm an ultra MAGA. That's a, that's a Canadian guy, and that's what we saw in January, is a lot of these Canadians, you know, they're basically Trump Trump supporter wannabes. They so wanted to be part of that nonsense down there, which, to be honest with you, surprised me. I didn't think that. I didn't think we had it in us. I was and wrong. This is why we have to worry about that element of the conservative national <clears throat> federal conservative party of Canada. People like that lurk under rocks in our country yeah. and are desperate to come out. Were you surprised I was a little bit? What? Well, just what I said, like, I know a lot of the stuff that happened in Ottawa happened while we were out of the country, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
just in, in light of what we're saying now and thinking about you know what you just said about people coming out from under rocks i, I was a bit surprised that i didn't, i just didn't think canadians uh, yeah it was disappointing I, yeah, yeah I, disappointing I and surprising to me yeah because again we have that smugness in canada that's mm-hmm. them this is us well believe me it's not it's not large and i think it will be squashed here ultimately but we know they're there and again it, 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 it's sad that donald trump had that effect on our country but he did him being the mouthpiece yeah. for undesirables. Open that door in Canada. Yeah, mega wannabes. Yeah. Just so, th- and that's what I, again, uh, disappointing or surprising, but to, how could you look at a guy like Donald Trump and think, yeah, that's our guy. That's my guy. That orange piece of shit. That's, <laughs> that's who I'm, that's, that's who I relate to because he speaks for me. Like, I'd be embarrassed. I wouldn't be. Well, and that's the thing, too. If anybody thinks if Donald Trump was president right now, the price of gas wouldn't be high and inflation wouldn't be high and, you know, the war in Ukraine wouldn't be going. It would all be going on. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, politics can control only so much. And I've said this many times. Often it comes back to decency. You know, everything's cyclical. And it just happens to be who's in power at that particular time that has to deal with the cycle. And unfortunately, that's Joe Biden right now. So let's look beyond that and see the person, the individual you have leading your country. And on every level, Donald Trump fails. And I don't, you know, I don't care about Joe Biden, but at least on some level, he's a decent human being. Justin Trudeau, all the problems I have with him, I think he's a bit of a slick and, but, you know, Jen, basically a pretty decent human being, you know, like. This Poliev guy, I don't trust him yet. And, and again, I, that's why I so want Tony on the show, because I'm open. Prove to me he's not. Prove yeah. to me that he's getting a raw deal. And that's what, I, to sort of reverse engineer what you just said about my point about, uh, to my point about Trump. Yeah. I can tell you, from the moment he came down the escalator, I just couldn't believe that anyone was going to take him seriously, considering... Let me say who we all knew he was, because he told us who he was. The mm-hmm. birtherism. Like I, I don't know if you know this, but I've read some books about Donald Trump recently. But you go the whole Trump um, history is there for anyone to see, and so why should we have been surprised? Even you, like in the fall before uh, he took office, and your thoughts were, "Hey, you know, let's give the guy a chance." And I'm mm-hmm. not saying anything wrong with that. But even at the last minute, we were all going, well, uh, maybe. But then you look at who the guy was is exactly who he turned out to be as president. Uh, Dan's news is be uh, coming up here in a second. Uh, But first, let's uh, make sure we talk about these fine folks. Uh, Let's talk about Bodog. Uh, You know, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. You know, and just tracking this uh, Leaf series, um, interesting, tomorrow's Game 3 in Tampa... It's pretty much a toss-up, but really the Leafs, the slight favorite. At Are they minus really? One, yes, minus 115. Interesting. Surprisingly, and the over and under sits at 6.5 again. 
So, uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, faith in the uh, Maple Leafs. We'll see. Uh, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> this happen- I think this must happen to me every spring because I'm now... I know I'm going to be in front of a TV tomorrow night watching the Toronto Maple Leafs play Tampa Bay. It's so weird. I watch zero games. And then now I'm like, when we came in from the course last night, it was a really long round. Like, just there was just our first sort of ladies' night of the, as you call it, ladies. It was our first men's night of the season. And so we had a hundred and, I think something like 170 guys to try and play. Wow. 18 holes over three nines. It was a five-hour round. It was really long. Because oh. usually it's about four hours, 4.15. Anyway, we all got in at the same time, and we were eating, and I was watching the game, and I was thinking to myself, okay, I'll watch this game here, but I want to watch it. I like watching it by myself so I can kind of concentrate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is weird. But, yeah, tomorrow night, uh, I'm surprised that they're the favorite, considering how they got beat by the way, the uh, Blue Jays avoided a sweep beating the Yankees last night, I believe. What was the score? Two to one. But anyway, did you see that story attached to the Blue Jays? It's, it really is a beautiful story. I should mention this. Yeah, tell me. The night before, um, Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. I superstar, saw it. I saw it. Smashes a home run. Yeah. This guy, middle-aged guy, or a guy maybe 40 years old, whatever, catches the ball in a Blue Jay shirt turns around and hands it to a kid in a Yankee, a nine-year-old Yankee fan. Yeah, I saw it. And the kid's reaction, he starts crying, he comes over and hugs. It's beautiful. It, was, it went viral yesterday all over the world, made Toronto look great, the Blue Jays look great. This Because so often, you know, in recent history, we've seen guys fighting for balls with nine-year-olds, right? <laughs> yes, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. You've seen those. Yeah. You've seen those. But anyway, it's just so beautiful, and he turned around and gave the ball to the kid, and the kid starts crying and gives him a hug. Anyway, the Blue Jays show it to Aaron Judge. So you know what he did yesterday? He got the kid to come down to the dome. Wow. And come onto the field with him. And he also invited the Blue Jay fan, right. the man who had given him the ball. So they yanked the kid out of school. They say, you got to go down to the dome right now. Aaron Judge wants to see you. So went on the field and met him. The Blue Jay fan was there as well. Aaron Judge gave the kid his batting gloves, you know, and talked to him for a, a few minutes. There's something about baseball with that that type of story. Yeah, where, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just sort of so legendary and so part of that sport for whatever reason. And um, and the guy that gave the ball, uh, the Blue Jays gave him a George Springer uh, shirt. It was just a. It's just a. It was just a fabulous story from beginning to end. And I did see it. I didn't know what you were referencing, but I. I, I that's how viral it went. I clicked on it, and I was like, "Oh!" And what I loved about it, it so many things, but what I loved about it was the guy gave the kid the ball without hesitation. Mm-hmm. It was almost. Inst- I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but it was almost instinctive that he got it and he saw the kid and he just. It wasn't a debate, a question. He mm-hmm. just gave it to him. The kid starts crying, and there's a moment. You've described it, except there's a, my favorite moment is when the guy took the kid's head in his hands. Mm-hmm. It was just such a, mm-hmm. what, what, it, what, it was a, a, such an, I'm going to say this word without trying to be creepy. It was such an intimate gesture that mm-hmm. I thought that he must be related to the kid. Mm-hmm. Like he took the kid, like he was just mm-hmm. looked at him like, you're welcome. Like a real, I don't know, real affirmation of, I don't know, affection or something, fellowship. One thing, though, why was the kid a Yankee fan? 
<laughs> fucking. I was just waiting to say that. The oh, only sorry, thing I, I'm sorry. My takeaway. Yeah. My takeaway yeah, was. Sorry, sorry. Why is this kid? He why looks, is he like why, a why is he Yankee fan? <laughs> but you know why? Um, he's from. He's nine years old. He moved here from Venezuela when he was six. He's only been here for three years, and he was a Yankee fan and loved Derek Jeter, yeah, apparently, yeah. or something. Isn't that funny? The, There's the, a reason for it. Your entire description. I'm just waiting. When can I say why is the kid a Yankee fan? <laughs> uh, Dan Duran is back. Dan Duran is here. Everybody, here. cheer! Have you uh, done any research about what kind of pie we're going to have tonight, or are we having pie? I thought it was settled. It would be the key lime pie. All right, I don't then. know what brand name though. I got to do some research on. That that now all right well listen if you're gonna bring all a, frozen right that's what you're i don't know anything pie. listen i have zero information about yeah. the key lime pie industry yeah but i will look forward to uh enjoying well, do it you have recommendations fred is your have you got a brand name that you uh you got your go-to oh, I, key lime? as i said even the mccain ones i've had are good really um you can't go wrong with a key lime is what you're saying no but, i mean if there's something like you know put it this way you know, if the McCain one is like eight ninety nine, and there's one for twelve ninety nine, buy the twelve ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Dan, bring your own pipe, will you, please? Because I can't, you, you, you can't have your Peterborough mouth on my spare pipe. No, I get it. Yeah, you bring your own yeah, pipe for God's sake when you smoke your weed. Um, yeah, I smoke. would do that because the cream tends to be a bit better. Plus, Dan, you buy it frozen, but when you arrive at Howard's, just leave it on the counter and let it thaw. Mm, thank you. And then after dinner, it'll be ready to go. Mm. Hey, Boone, do you have a favorite key lime pie? I don't... Do you like key lime pie in the Boone household? Yeah, my favorite key lime pie is the one on my plate. Yes, great, great, <laughs> exactly. Like, there's no bad key lime pie at this point. By the time Dan and I get to the key lime pie stage of the evening, it won't matter. Uh, what's, what's in a key lime? There's limes, and lime and... What's how does it all sort of graham cracker? Um, if you go down to have you ever been to Key West, Florida? It's very popular down there. That's sort of apparently yes. the home of the key lime pie. And oh, so the key part comes from that. Okay, the key lime popsicle and all this stuff they sell down. There. Oh, right. The key is the key in the Florida Keys. I just got That's that. Right. Uh, you know, Fred, you often say this. We said it this morning that there's a song in everything. Uh, apparently, there's a song about key lime pies. <laughs> Here's the great Kenny Chesney. Little key lime pie song. I don't know if I have the patience for, the <laughs> for, this, for this intro. All right, let's move it along. There we go. My, 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 my key lime pie. Not too tart, not too sweet. My baby loves to watch me eat her key lime pie. Her key lime pie. Is he talking about her key lime pie? Double, double entendre. Listen, double my entendre. baby loves to watch me eat her key lime pie. I like that. Yeah. Dan, if you could find some of that pie, bring it over. Because <laughs> he should say, my baby likes to watch me eat a, a key lime pie, but he says her key yeah, lime baby. pie. We all We're know not that. stupid. We're not we stupid. know what he's getting at. I like That's to say euphemism. Huh? Yes, Mike. <laughs> That's what that is. Although I don't know what the, yeah, I don't know what the tart part is. But. Well, it can be. Depends on what the, you know, depends on what's been eaten. Mm. 
Also depends on how far you're going to go down south. Anyway, kids, let's uh, get to Dan Duran's news. Uh, so uh, if I had a mouse, I'd be already playing the intro to Dan I Duran. Only I only had a mouse. Had a mouse. Oh, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big one. The quintessential anchorman, he hosts nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes as for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from his trailer home in the uh, Coorthus? Uh, yeah, the Coorthus. Uh, with Dan Duran News today, brought to you by HealthGage, keeping track of your health, uh, wearing devices uh, like we all are these days, but the device we're wearing actually can impact your well-being. HealthGage.com is where you go to find out more information. Humble Fred HD gets you 15% off a checkout, uh, so do check it out. HealthGage.com, it has blood oxygen, everything from steps to calories to your blood pressure. HealthGage.com makes you healthier just by wearing it. HealthGage.com, promo code HumbleFredHG. And now, here's Dan Duran. Okay, here's some stories you guys should grab the film rights to. Two, Two stories. Prison guard sells house and disappears with prisoner. And a wanted hitman and a drug dealer killed in a plane crash. First of all, in northern Alabama, you may have heard about this. Uh, the uh, northern Alabama jail's assistant director of corrections, Vicki White, who's 56. This is where it kind of gets all interesting. All parts of this are make great for a great story. She's 56. The inmate, Casey White, they're not related, but they have the same last name, uh, is only 38. And they vanished together on Friday after uh, she took Casey White for... Uh, I guess, to to get evaluated. So apparently um, they determined that she has uh, had been giving extra food, other privileges that no one else got uh, in jail there. And then uh, she also recently sold her home, which was a a four acre property way below market value. And uh, she sold that home 12 days before her disappearance. So she left. Told college she, colleagues she was taking him to a mental health evaluation, mm-hmm. and then they all disappeared. Mm. <sighs> okay. Um, no, let it sink in, Dan. You know, you know. Yeah. It's the end of the week. We're tired. You know, we, <laughs> <laughs> we've. Um, I'm not sure what to say. Yeah, it sounds like a movie. Uh, guard right. falls in love with an inmate, uh, sells home, takes off. You know, maybe they, maybe he got to taste her key lime pie and he couldn't be with mm-hmm. her. I don't know. Yeah, I, okay. don't know. I don't know. All right. So here's the other one. This may you you may write a better screenplay for this one, Howard. Mm-hmm. All right. This is Sue Lookout, a plane crashed with four men on board that killed them all. And they're traveling from Dryden to Marathon, Ontario. One of the crash, crash victims was on the run uh, from Royal Thailand Police. In mm. February, there was a gangland-style murder of a former B.C. gangster who was in Thailand at the time. He also offered special discounts on his Belgian Malinois pups to buyers with police and military backgrounds. One of the other people on the plane had gang ties as well and was an active drug dealer. 
Another gang member said it found it odd that these two guys were on the same plane since they had been on different sides of an ongoing gang war. I find the whole issue very complex, Dan. I really do. Uh, especially the part about selling some pops to somebody. That took me completely by surprise, that detail. The the pups, yeah. Well, yeah. just an interesting uh, bunch of characters. Yes, and they died. Make for a great movie. And they all they died all in a, a small died. plane. What was going on? What was it really going on? Make Dan? a longer movie and have both those things in the one movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that actually pretty good idea. On the one one of the stories is yeah. the guard and the inmate, and the other stories is the Thai uh, whatever uh, dying in a plane crash. But did they really die? And did and maybe they're all mm-hmm. related. At the end, they all get together and form their own uh, progressive conservative party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <sighs> Very, very, you know, it's it's wacky what's going on in the world. <laughs> it's wacky. You know what we didn't talk about, but we should, hmm? <clears throat> is this. Uh, let me see if I have, uh, let me play you. Uh, Dan, I know you're our, our anchorman, but here's another anchorman telling this story. On alert, after comedian Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage last night in Los Angeles. Chappelle was not injured, but the incident could have turned tragic. Have you guys, Police by the way, the man who rushed the stage. Have you guys seen the video of the guy rushing the stage and tackling Chappelle? Like, you know, I know people thought it was overblown when uh, Will Smith came up and slapped a rock and and there was a bunch of comedians tweeting like, "Okay, great. Now Mm -hmm. audiences are going to feel emboldened to start doing that. Well, here you have it. And it's not an isolated incident. Apparently, it's been happening at, at comedy clubs where audience members are being triggered. Was carrying a knife. CBS's Lily Luciano has the details. Dave Chappelle never saw it coming. The man police have identified as 23-year-old Isaiah Lee. History. Darted on... Like, you gotta see the video, because he's mid-sentence, and this guy... Like, it's a cross-body block style of uh, a tackle. ...and delivered a powerful body tackle that appeared to knock the wind out of Chappelle. Security quickly subdued the man off to the side, while Chappelle gathered himself and carried on. Y'all wanna rock? Police say Lee had a replica gun with a knife blade tucked inside. Appearing bruised and with a shoulder injury, he was taken to the hospital and later charged with felony assault with a deadly weapon. We gotta make sure we protect him at all times, man. Comedians Jamie Foxx and Chris Rock were there. Rock delivered a punchline more than a month in the making. Did you hear that was great? Rock grabs the mic from Chappelle and says, Was that Will Smith? Yeah. (laughs) What shocked me about that, Howard, was the uh, the way that like I'd read the story and then and then I actually saw that video. Yeah. And I thought, well, you rushed him on stage or whatever. But he actually it was like a football tackle. That's what I mean, Dan. It was just crazy how how with with a lot of force and speed. Like he threw himself. Like it wasn't like he sort of like, and that's, that's it, what I was trying to describe. It's not like he grabs him with both arms and a bear hug time, you know, type of thing to pull him down. The guy threw himself at Chappelle, and if you're watching it now, I mean, it's pretty f- weird. I mean, I you know, I've been around this uh, game a long time. I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. And you know, that could have been. And you know, and if you see the gun, it's like a gun with a knife stuck in the end of it. I mean, he could have been hurt, killed, injured, like. I don't know. You know, James Taylor was in town last weekend. Did he get? To, does he get attacked if somebody doesn't like? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
think James Taylor doesn't have to worry about some guy rushing the stage because he doesn't like his version of Fire and Rain. Yeah. You don't have a friend. You don't <laughs> have right. a friend. That's right. <laughs> You've seen fire. How about rain? <laughs> Mike no. Boone, what do you think of all this? Remember, Monica Sellers was stabbed courtside. Oh, right. Yes. So I feel like mm-hmm. ever since then, this this possibility has existed in the back of the every performer's mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean... That's rare. What you just mentioned, well, super rare, uh, it, it's but super it, rare. it did happen. Right but you now. know, there's it, there's a vulnerability of being alone on stage. I mean, I, I've I've told you this before. I've had stuff thrown at me in uh, in comedy clubs. I've had people get angry, but I never, I you never had stuff thrown at you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that was GFR. <laughs> no, I was, uh, you know a couple times I've had you know uh, lots of comics. You know, Darren Frost. Uh, yeah, a lot of guys I know have had things, beer bottles thrown, glasses thrown. I had a, a big giant I had a, a nail thrown at me. I don't know. I, I, and part of my confusion was why did the woman in the audience have a construction <laughs> nail in her purse? But it was Hamilton, you know. Anyway. Scary stuff, I'll tell you. Like, that's the last thing you want to have on your mind. Well, you and I were, they thought we were being over paranoid, but when we went to the studio there at Young and Shooter, one of, the, one of our concerns was, was the glass bulletproof? Because we're sitting there every morning making fart jokes, and we thought, what if one of Vincent Well, and there had been a couple of incidents in the States. Yes. Where radio announcers had been attacked. And I remember the response we got, and I won't say it because I love the guy, but it, his response to me when we brought it up was... Or us. I don't know if you were there when I brought it up and he said, well, it, nothing's happened so far. It would be like, well, okay. yeah, great. <laughs> but there's all yeah, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> and then at some point we were like, well, what's wrong with us that we aren't being attacked? <laughs> Why can't we? Yeah. Be Why does Roger yeah. Maryland get attacked, but not us? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Michael Boone is here for the Michael Boone appearance. And there's that uh, sportscaster in Ottawa. Yes. It was uh, Brian Smith. Brian Smith. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it does. It's very rare, thankfully, but it's one of those things. It's almost like a random person pushing someone onto the streetcar tracks. Like, you just don't know when that could possibly happen. Mm -hmm. Mental health, man. Also, exactly. Also, very worrisome. Story years and years ago, back in the early 70s, we may have talked about this previously, but I don't know when or why or how. Um a guy for the played for the Maple Leafs called Brian Spencer. And back <laughs> in the days, the early part, you know, Hockey Night Canada was somewhat regional. And he was he was, he was a rookie with the Leafs and he was being interviewed between periods and his dad knew, but the feed he was getting out west wasn't showing the Leaf game. So he got a gun and went to the TV studio, studio to demand that they show that interview. Wow. And it didn't end well. No. Crazy. Um, all right, Michael Boone uh, is uh, here for his weekly appearance to set up a little, uh, you know, give everyone a kind of a feel for what's happening next week. But before, apparently, you've got some other stuff for us well, as a usual. Few things. One is, I noticed you played uh, Ben Folds 5's Brick yes. before the Roe versus Wade. And I was thinking, that is the like the definitive abortion jam. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't even think of a second one. Can well, that's part of the abortion playlist, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the when I that's the abortion jam, so good on you for playing that. I, I'm not big on that term, abortion jam. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not where I'm. I'd really, I'd rather have that, blueberry yeah. myself. You intentionally <laughs> played that, right? The Roe versus. I, maybe I did. I don't know. I'd like to think oh, I okay. did. I just assume because that's all about uh, Ben Folds' uh, girlfriend yeah. getting mm-hmm. abortion. It's a great song. And yeah, uh, great song. Uh, what do you got for us today, Michael? Okay, so I was having drinks with Ian Service the other day, and Ian pointed out that Thursdays are not so much guestless. But he says they're host full. Mm-hmm. So I just think for the rebranding that Thursdays are host full, more humble and Fred, as opposed to guestless. Yeah, I hear you, man. I mean, we don't even have to brand it at all. It's just happening, and this is what happens. Right. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> we're, we're so I big on labels everything. here. What's that? <laughs> I got to brand everything. Do it! So, <laughs> uh, and also, just one thing for you, Howard, before I play a quick clip. Uh you know, you mentioned it's kind of weird that you don't watch the Leafs all season and then you watch like every minute of the playoffs. And I don't think that's weird at all. I do the exact same thing with the NFL. Like I don't watch any regular season NFL. Yeah, me too. And then I tune in for the playoffs like it's my job. So that's very common. I I, it, I'm, I, it's funny you say that because I'm the same way with the NFL. I mean, it, you know, I watched uh, Buffalo versus uh, who beat them? Kansas City. Kansas Goddamn City. Kansas City. I watched that like it meant something to me because it did. It was fun. Because the stakes are high. As soon and, and I won't watch one Blue Jay game except for the one I go to. But right. if they are in the playoffs, I'll watch it. And, and sort of like I won't watch a golf tournament wherever it is. But there's four majors a year that I know matter. Like they're kind of got weight to them. And if there's something interesting happens during a major, I'm interested because it's high stakes. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. high stakes. Yeah, I, I think, I, well, I, th- I think that's what it is. It's like, I think I said this to you, Freddie, or maybe I was talking to the golf guys. I said, it's funny. If that game that Leafs played against Tampa Bay had happened two weeks ago, I would have zero interest in it. Right. Sure. But I watched every goddamn minute and enjoy. And mm-hmm. I just don't know. I just find it fascinating when the stakes, as you say, Mike, when the stakes are higher, I like to see how people react. Even though I don't know the team like you guys do, I mean, I know the names. And I, as soon as Marner got his point, I, of course, know that I know I know famously he hadn't had a point since 2019. So I point that out to Fred. Like, I have enough interest because of you guys. And I think I can converse about it. But I just found it fascinating how mm-hmm. how when 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 it matters, how teams react, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take you back real quick. This is only 30 seconds, but then maybe you can tell the story behind this. But this is a, a television ad. And then after this, I want to hear what it's like for radio people when your your employer tells you we're going to spend money to, for a TV ad. I would think that's a big deal for radio shows. Oh, yeah. But let's listen to this. FM 102's Humble Howard and Fred Patterson. Oh, sure. You could listen to another morning show. Oh, will they play Toronto's hottest modern rock? No way. Will their news, weather, traffic, and sports be as entertaining? I don't think so. Will they have as much fun as we do? They can't even spell fun. Will they be as intelligent as we are? Okay, but we'll definitely be more fun. More fun. Way more. Wake up with Humble and Fred on Toronto's modern rock. FM 102. Moscow Circus of fun. Is that the one with Freddie in the dress? No. Okay. No. Oh, okay. But I'm guessing that's like 89. I don't know. Modern rock was a very brief period. Is that like 89 or 90? I can't. I don't okay, know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, do you remember anything about this? Like, what's it like <laughs> when your employer says, hey, we're going to spend real dollars because we're going to put you guys on television. Like, most radio shows don't get TV spots. Uh, well, back then they did. Yeah, back then it was pretty common. Uh, pretty much had to play that game. I think we were very encouraged because, you know, often in radio, you look around and you think, why can't we have what they have? And right. 
you know, to keep that competitive edge, it's like, well, if they have TV commercials, why mm-hmm. can't we? And when they come to you and say, we're going to do TV spots, you think, hey, that's cool. We're in the game. What I liked about our commercials, because we did a few of them, is that they didn't come from a cookie cutter um, production or agency. Dan, maybe you can articulate. You know how sometimes, like a lot of commercials that we would see on of radio, you know, like the like that Roger Rick of Maryland or whatever they call it now, the Break the Bank, the those contests. You buy those contests; they're already prefabricated. It's, it's part of a like package. A syndicated, a syndic- kind of thank concept, you. Yeah. So very often, you're just basically, they come in and they just plug you into the commercials they've already done. Whereas what we did is those, we created those commercials. Those those words we spoke were words we created. I think an example of that, I believe it was Don and Aaron. Yes. Even before Mike and Aaron, they had Les Nesman, remember? Mm -hmm. From WKRP. Oh, Herb Tarlick. Herb Tarlick, that's right. Was it Herb? Oh, okay. Whoever it was. Yeah, Herb Tarlick. Yeah. And the key, and you think, hey, that's pretty good. But then you could be in Cincinnati, right, and see the same spot yes. with the morning show there. Um, it's sort of another example of what Howard's talking about. All that stuff is available, or I don't know, maybe it's not as common anymore. But back when we were sort of younger, that uh, that syndicated thing was everything. Well, the best example is Ernest P. Worrell. Okay, so Ernest, you remember Ernest? Yeah. Anyone remember Ernest? Okay, yeah. like he'd go up on the ladder and he'd be go, hey, Vern, I got to tell you about this great new radio show they have yeah. here, I mean, Humble and Fred. And he just did that like for different yes. products yeah. and services in every market. Yeah. yeah. So I remember exactly. us doing those com- those commercials. Just I, I remember that we we did them. We created them and we, you know... Another example of that, Howard, is is uh, there's a whole jingle system yes. as well for radio mm-hmm. jingles. So, you know, the yeah. songs that they play about the radio station that they just replace the call letters from one station to the next all over mm-hmm. North America. Well, Dan, mm-hmm. Dan's been the voice. They call it the voice of um, voice of the station. What do they call it? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Dan? Pretty much the imaging voice. Imaging voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've been the imaging voice for other stations and other markets. Yep. And I and I don't know why you aren't now. You know well, I'm busy at the lake here. That's why. No, I know. No, but- <laughs> <laughs> There's some self-deprecating. No, what I'm saying is styles come in and out of yes. fashion. And I, from what I've heard lately, yep, I've thought that. I thought, fuck, Dan could do that, you know? Because, you know, for a while, then it becomes quirky. And then guys like you don't necessarily get the work. And then it just, again, cyclical. Yeah, and for the longest time, around. Been, yeah. a lot of it's been really light voices, you know, like uh, younger mm-hmm. sounding, higher voices, and uh, yeah, deeper Dan, voices I, were kind of, ex, you know, out. Maybe but tonight, again, how, go ahead. How can Dan get any work? <laughs> Jamie Watson takes it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, what I was going to say, Dan, tonight after we get high, maybe you can explain when is my cycle going to come back? Because it's been about 20 <laughs> fucking years. I mentioned earlier in the show, I did an audition for uh, our agent. Dan and I have the same agent. And I'm like, well, I don't even, I mean, I do it. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I've done, it has been so long since I've actually auditioned for anything and got it. that sometimes I think they just put me in there because, you know, oh, we better give Howard something once a quarter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Send him a crumb of an audition. Yeah, just give him a cr- audition crumb. And, you know, I know as I'm reading it, I'm like, well, this will probably go to Dan or somebody with real talent. And I'll just fucking... Anyway. 
Now, okay, so Noel Kassler is a regular on your program on Once a Month, and he has his own podcast, and there's an astute listener of yours who listens to Noel Kassler's podcast. His name is Sid, and Sid uh, was excited to tell me you guys got name-checked in the Noel Kassler podcast podcast so he sent me the clip now i get the clip i'm kind of excited to hear this like noel's talking about humble and fred i can play this for the guys anyways it's so completely uh wonderfully underwhelming i have to play it for you right now (laughs) okay okay is it the kind of thing we can play for noel when he's on next yeah sure okay i'm gonna hear it send it to me i woke up and did a canadian talk show radio show i do once a month called humble and fred up in toronto that's it so there's your, uh, you know, you're welcome to uh, play that for Noel, but that was your... Uh, I'm sorry. Play that again. It went by so quickly. What? I love it. I woke up and did a Canadian talk show, radio show I do once a month called Humble and Fred up in Toronto. That's good. I like that. It's well, fair. Hey, you know, usually there's another line about uh, you guys are legends or these guys have a really good spin on things or interesting perspective mm. on our politics. Like that extra line, which kind of says, you know, you're not just a radio show. You're like... Yeah. You know, anyway, I just think it, it's funny. I thought there was like I was missing no, part of the audio. I get it, but you know, I I'm more you take what you can get. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Well, because we're <laughs> no, we, we really Mike, are glass I know what you're half saying. full, right? Yeah, yeah I know. What you're yeah, saying. it's that's sort of like a fact. Like it's a fact that he does this once a month. He's on right. a, a Toronto radio right. show called Humble and Fred. But then mm-hmm. you need the uh, editorial. Yes. Uh, Good friends of mine and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're great these guys. guys. Yeah, these guys have been fucking awesome since the 80s and they know their shit and well, they really have a good spin why, on it. Why don't you send this? Why don't you send the clip of you talking about him back to Noel and see? Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, send me this whole clip, Mike. So when he's on next time, I'll say, this is what our producer think you, thinks you should have said. <laughs> yeah. I'll script it for him. Scripty. Next time. Scripty, Mike. Um, okay, well, next week on the show, obviously, uh, we're here all week. You know, the, yeah, so uh, I've uh, everything's fluid. You might have remembered, uh, like last week, I said, "Oh, Bill Brio," and then Bill Brio didn't actually come on this week because things are happening. Merrick came in, Brio got bumped. But great Brio's appearance, by the way. Merrick uh, crushed it. He was great. You know what? I, I thought that back to back of your seventy-two Summit Series deep dive with Scott Morrison, and then the Jeff Merrick was just a, a neat little back to back. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Actually, so. I wanted to ask you because you're a hockey guy, and so is Fred. I mean, does it surprise you that I have hockey opinions, even though I don't really I don't bring them up much? Why you think you should be like golf only? Like I, I follow Raptors, Leafs, Jays pretty much equally, and the higher the stakes, the more engaged I am. Like. I, I mean, you know, if Mike Weir is going to win the Masters, suddenly I'm glued to my TV watching the Masters. Like, I just think you love sports. Sports is sports, right? True, but I love golf, you know, at a rate of 99% versus all other well, sports. But I, I do like... four Stanley Cups a year. Uh, but I do, but I do <laughs> like talking hockey with Freddie, and I really enjoy the conversation with Scott Morrison because that meant a lot to me. Yeah, and even Goldman to start the week, Dr. Brian Goldman was great too. But here's the, uh, everything's fluid, so already things have changed next week. So Monday, because I can hear in Fred's voice, he's missing Tony Clement. I can hear it. Tony Clement will drop by Monday and be our Geek Sky guest. Good. Fantastic. Because we've referenced him enough that, you know, we should give him the stage and... And he listens all the time, so he knows what our line of questioning is going to be, and he's got the balls to face it. Yeah, he's going to tell you why Pierre Polyev is, uh, is the <laughs> we, man to be this country. And we know he's got the balls. I mean, we've all... Uh, 
<laughs> now, Howard, we've also touched on this lately. <laughs> you've touched on this lately, uh, and I'm not laughing at this subject matter, of course, because anti-Semitism is rampant. Yes. And we have somebody, and I'm going to mispronounce it again, B'nai Brith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, B'nai Brith, there's a gentleman named uh, Jesse Primorano who's going to come on and, and basically talk about this uh, surge of anti-Semitism and what we can do. And that'll be our Tuesday guest and then here, I think you'll like this, Howard, because it's your favorite subject matter in the world yourself. No, just kidding. This is Bob Weeks. Bob, oh, I'm a funny guy. Don't punch me. Bob Weeks. <laughs> You're on your own there, Boone. This is what this is what bombing on stage feels like. Keep going. Bob Weeks. I'll just keep saying Bob Weeks until it's over. Bob yeah. Weeks from TSN is going to come on and talk about the next uh, major. I watched a lot of Bob and our friend James Duffy. Mm. Uh, during the Masters coverage, Bob's very good. I'm just jealous of Bob. It's just jealousy. I just mm-hmm. would, I just see Bob doing what he's doing for the last 25 years. I'm like, God damn it. What a great gig that would be. Mm-hmm. We should get Duffy on again soon. Yeah. Because I watch Overdrive in the afternoon and, uh, you know, Jeff uh, O'Neill, O-Dog, as they call him. O-Dog. During... Uh, the Masters, you know, Duffy went down there, and Jeff O'Neill requested he buy him a uh, a bucket hat, a Masters bucket hat, and apparently Duffy came back with the wrong thing. Mm. And it's been a line. It's been a running, a running gang theme for Good. some time that Duffy he doesn't think Duffy put any time into looking for the hat <laughs> that he wanted. Right. It's pretty funny. I don't know if Jeff O'Neill would ever come on the show. We asked him once, and he said no, but. I don't know whether his time went. He's pretty funny too. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's. Uh, oh, oh, I don't think he's aware enough of us that he'd really care. The bucket but hat might be interesting. The bucket hat has started mm-hmm. to infiltrate the golf world. I see. Has a, it? Yeah, a little bit. There's one guy on tour who's got a good sense of humor. I follow him on Twitter. His name's Joel Dahman or Damon, and he wears a bucket hat occasionally. But I see a few more guys as we become more sun aware and. Wearing wider brimmed hats and mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just I, whenever I put one on, I just look like fucking Gilligan. I just look like an idiot in them. Mm. I put one on. I look like Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> it's better. It's better than looking like Mrs. Howell. I should have said that. That's what I should have. Yeah, because we're old now. Uh, Lovey. But Jeff O'Neill, he's quite the golfer, too, Howard. Whenever I hear him go on about golf, I'm thinking, what? Geez, I wonder if he was ever on the show and him and Howard go and play around because he sounds like... Like he's into it? Well, he and he's a very good player. Oh, is he? Like, yeah. Okay. We'll see, Jeff O'Neill. Uh, but Bob Weeks has got the job. You know, I guess, you know, I'm, I don't know. Maybe you're the same Fred or Dan and Mike. Like, you know, you look at some people and you think, oh, you know... Yeah, you know, Bob Weeks has expertise from being Bob Weeks for the last 25 years. Like, I, I've known Bob a long time. And, you know, I, I don't know that we would have started off with any, you know, we were to have similar criterion for our job. But that's a job that, you know, he's gotten to travel the world and talk about golf. And he does a golf show. And he's at the Masters talking about the Masters. I'm like, this is a goddamn gig. Great gig. Yeah, but you know, he, he's sitting at home thinking, I wish I had Humble Howard's gig. Like, Yo, he rolls yeah. out of bed, he goes downstairs, he turns on a mic for 90 minutes. Yeah, no one wants Humble Howard's gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, da, da. All right, Dan, any uh, anything else, Fred? Uh, you know? No, not off the top. It's 
Uh, Friday, Sunday, I believe when we convene on Monday morning, Leafs will be down 3-1, and uh, we'll be rehashing that. What? Always oh, the boy. optimist. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. what about the sunny weekend on the way? And the, That's uh, going to be nice. That's going to be nice. Oh, that was a highlight for me, hearing how Dan had zero interest or recollection or uh, shits to give about the 1972 Summit Series that encapsulated this entire country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will continue that. Yeah. Well, no. And as well. Enjoy. enjoy. (laughs) That's right. Enjoy. It's fascinating to a lot of people how uh, indifferent you were to one of the... That would be like... uh, you know, a few years after 1867, people are like talking about Confederation Dan is like, yeah, wasn't that big a deal for me? <laughs> yeah. How about 1967? Did that have any significance for you at all? Our 100th anniversary. Mom and dad went to Montreal. And so did my the, mom and dad. Thing, yeah. Anyway. My mom and dad, did they, did they drive? My mom and dad and the Coens, who owned the drugstore, Jerry and Jack Cohen, went to Montreal for Expo. It was a big deal. The big biosphere or whatever yep. it was called. Yeah. Do you guys know the significance of the name Bobby Jimby? Yes. Okay. Why? He did the Canada song, Canada. That's st- right, he did. Do you want to sing it for us? anniversary of Confederation. Everybody sing. How does this song start? One little two, two little three Canadians. little four little five little six Canadians. Canadians. Yeah. Bobby Which Jimby. I thought was odd because you know that was derived from one little two little three, three little, little Indians, Indians four little know. five little six little Indians. So you couldn't you couldn't put that in the song. That, no. Today. Is he the same Bobby Jimby? I believe so, yeah. The Canada song. Or I could be wrong. I often No, I think am. you're right. Mm. You're always right. Canada. Bobby Jimby. Why can't I find that? Oh, man. Just put 1967 Canada song. Because we have to hear it. Oh, now we do. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Expo 67. And it was a big deal. Mom and Dad left. I think they left me alone with my brothers for the first time. So you had the shit shit kicked out of me. I know. (laughs) Have you heard about Expo 67, Dan? (laughs) (laughs) I also remember there was a train that went across Canada that showed up in Didsbury, where I lived at the time. Nice. Here we go. Train, and you can see Canada exhibits throughout the train. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it says we are 20 million. Yeah. That's back in 1967. Now we're almost 40 million, right? 37 or something? Something like that. I remember the... It's a catchy little tune. We don't sing that enough anymore. Canada. Now, when I moved to Montreal, I remember driving by the expo site for the first time going, oh, that's where Mumsy and Popsy... Spent part of 1967. Mm-hmm. That was like me in 19, or I guess 2000. I took the kids out west, and Danny and I drove over to the Olympic site. Mm-hmm. 
in uh, this is 2000 and i looked at him and i said hey no remember dad took you to the olympics never forget that <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, i worked uh, in 1986 i worked expo 86 86 in vancouver i spent two weeks on the grounds of the expo site i've told you that story working with patrick mckenna and the second city people um all right i think that's enough show for everybody we're all tired we gotta go yep mike uh good week hey uh thanks to everyone who uh, contributed once again humble and fred at humble and fred radio.com thank you very much toronto mike the podcast some uh, good uh, content there uh who did you have on this uh, last week with dave thomas who's a big guest this week uh, well, I had over Amy Skye and Mark Amy, Jordan nice. by to kick out the jams. Come on. And tonight and I got... Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Mark Jordan and Amy Skye came over here to that street you live on? They were sitting right here at my table. Yes. Wow. And they kicked Fantastic. out the jams, and it was fun. And also, uh, tonight, I have DJ Dwight on the program talking about the live to airs of Martin Streak. Nice. Would we know him? Yeah. He was around. Hey, any interest? Uh, I was thinking about this, speaking of, because Mike said people came over to his place. I just I had this notion the other day that we should just, for a fun, one day when Dan's in town, surprise everyone, and we won't tell anyone, a little foreshadowing now, but like have you in the studio with the three of us, just for no other reason than we haven't done it in over two and a half or two years and some months. What do you think of that? Who are you talking to? You. You. Who are you talking to? I, myself. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I talking to? Um, I don't I know. I was hoping you weren't talking to me. Uh, okay. Well, okay. Bob. I'm just saying, as a surprise, yes, might be I would fun. Do, yeah. I would don't do let it be me. Don't let it be me. Don't let <laughs> Dad, Fred's like, okay, you mean you, Mike, and Dan, then I'll just be at the trailer. Just yeah. one day. No, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Like, you know. Just for the novelty of so it. it's so yesterday. That whole concept is so oh my yesterday. Oh, it's so 2020. Uh, all right. Well, listen, uh, I hope you're wrong about the Leafs, although Bodog says that they are the favorites for the Tampa Bay game tomorrow night. Yeah. And by the time we're back, uh, who knows? It could be a whole different ball game. All right. Yes. Have a great Humble and Fred weekend, everyone. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and Hush Blankets with their 100-night guarantee. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember to listen next time for more of this hostful show. We are number 187 on the podcast list, so like us and subscribe. See you Monday. A little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?